Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again today on Todd Bets. We're thrilled. Really excited about our guests today. Really excited about working with them all month long, promoting what they've got going on. It's an incredibly cool product. I'm excited to talk about it today, and I'm very happy to have my guests here. Please give it up for Dr. Gary Beal, CEO of Nabico and the co-inventor of NatureWrap. Gary, welcome. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. It really is. And I'm excited about talking about what you guys are doing. Um, you know, food waste in this country is a big deal. Food waste globally is a big deal. Um, you know, increasing consumption, of course, is obviously a part of, of the food waste conversation, which is, you know, exactly what you guys lean into. And what you're trying to do is, is, to, is to get food on people's tables uh, and lasting longer and everything else. I love the fact it's organic. We got a ton of stuff to talk. I, I have 211,000 questions today. You got enough time? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So before we get before we get started, share with us a little bit about your background and who you are and kind of fill people in on what you're up to. And then we're going to dive in to the whole conversation about Navico and what you got going on. Well, um, I'll start out by, I guess, talking about my career. And mm-hmm. I've had a really kind of a charmed life. Uh, when I finished my PhD at Baylor, uh, my first job was at Oak Ridge National Laboratory doing research on nuclear waste disposal, which is wow. far afield from what I do today. I would say so. But uh, after about two years of doing research there, I decided I wanted to go into industry and went into industry and spent 20 years working in industry. Right. And during that period, most of my work was around directing product development, followed by scaling up to pilot scale and finally into production. So I was doing kind of an entrepreneurial function within these larger companies. Sure. And uh, in 1998, my alma mater honored me with a Distinguished Alumni Award. And I went down to receive it. And some of the professors that taught me came and told stories. Of course, none of them were true. You know, but... Wow, I've already seen that. <laughs> and uh, it struck me flying on the airplane back to Chicago that these professors had invested in me. And a lot yeah. of my success had come from what they had taught me. So I was trying to figure out how can I pay them back? And I made a fundamental decision that the best way for me to pay them back was to go torture, I mean, teach students the same way. That I Absolutely. Both, both okay. ways are fine. So I went in the next week, and at that time, I was VP of an $800 million a year company. I went in and turned my resignation in and started looking for an academic position. And, of course, they thought I was crazy, and I probably was. Yeah, probably but, a little bit. But I never regret making that decision. I have really impacted a lot of students' lives. Yeah. So I've taught at Texas State University for 20 years, but it's hard to take the entrepreneur out of a person. So when my students working on a project that I, that I assigned them came up with what led to NaturaP, it was a natural thing for me to go out and help them start this company. Right. So that's kind of a thumbnail sketch of what I've done. And I've got 48 U.S. patents over that time. So lots of different inventions. So yeah, well, there's one, there's one big one that the world should know about. I'm going to bring it up. I mean, I know you probably hate hearing it all the time, but 
you're the guy that invented clumping cat litter. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's funny. A, a number of years ago, I was uh, chosen as a professor to interact with the incoming freshmen. And right. I have a big complication. You've got these five or 6,000 students out here that are entering the university. And they introduced me as the cat litter professor. <laughs> That's a little, that's a tad aggressive. <laughs> that's a tad aggressive. And, and, and uh, they all had a, a laugh about it. But for about two or three years after that, I'd be walking across campus and they say, oh, you're the cat litter guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a little, yeah, that'd be, I'd have to admit, I mean, it's it's a good little bit of a novelty to put out for this conversation, but I think being called a cat litter guy is probably got to get old fast. <laughs> yeah. I would think so. I, th- I think that's probably gets old. At least they didn't call you kitty or they didn't, you know, meow at you or something make it worse that's for sure i love it well you know i want to talk obviously we want to talk about what you're up to because i think it's a really cool thing and i think that where you're heading and how you got there and what you guys are trying to do is certainly worthy of people's time and attention but before we get into i think it's important that that we talk a little bit in the beginning about food waste you know in this country a little bit and food waste on a global scale it's a big big problem I mean, from the greenhouse gas perspective to everything else. So could, could you want to elaborate a little bit about that in your mind and, and you know, how that motivated you forward? Well, you know, when you look at the problem, and, and I don't think most people understand how big a problem it is. Yeah. If you look in the United States, it's something like a $160 billion problem. That's yeah. how much is lost each year yeah. with the food that goes bad. And in the United States, between 35 and 40% of all the produce that's grown is thrown away because it's gone bad. Yeah. Well, that's a big problem. It's a you huge know? problem. When you've got food insecurity here, even in the United States, and worldwide, the problem's even bigger. They estimate mm-hmm. that the problem is at least a trillion dollar problem. Yeah, worldwide. north of a tr- north of a trillion now. I think it's like 1.3 is the, is the number. And, and you look at that kind of problem, and with the solution we have, we can have a huge impact. Yeah. On not only the bottom line of companies that are involved in the produce business, but we can have a chance to really change food insecurity in the world. Absolutely. And in the process, the greenhouse gas emissions are just enormous. 11%. If, if it were a country it would be the third largest producer of greenhouse gases behind China and the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, it's a crazy, it's, it's, and food waste is the number one thing in landfills today. Right. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So I saw a stat and I share this with you. And I've been saying this a lot on, on several different broadcasts and bring it up, but, and I got a baseball here. I caught a foul ball at a ball game and uh, keep it on my desk here. And there was a stat that came out on a report that said, the food waste in the United States is equivalent of every single American throwing away 650 apples about the size of a baseball. So that puts it into perspective about what we're talking about. I mean, you know, think, go to the grocery store and look think about what 650 apples look like. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. So let's get into what you're doing to solve it, because I think it's worthy. So let's first let's frame up a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Tell us a little bit about Navico and, and how did it start and, and, you know, how you woke up one day going, let's do this now. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. The original project that I put my students to work on was to actually improve the plastic packaging that 
we use in lots of different packages. Right. And, and one of our targets was, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with these aluminized bags that potato chips come in. Right. Uh, pop tarts come in and it's got a, an aluminum coating on the plastic. So you can't see the product plus disposing of that plastic is a problem. You can't recycle yeah. it. So I wanted to see if we could coat the plastic that's clear with something that would improve the barrier to the extent that it would compete with aluminized mylar. Right. Well, we were successful at that and ours is a clear plastic. But about that time, I read an article in the Chemical Engineering News about the single use plastic problem and how big a problem it is worldwide. Yeah. And a problem for our oceans, a problem for our landfill. And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, let's see. The components of Naturap, and it wasn't Naturap at that time, but our coating, both of them are on the FDA grass list, generally recognized as safe for human consumption. Right. So why don't we just eliminate the plastic altogether and put it directly on the fruit? Right. And, and my advisors kind of laughed at me. Well, that's the worst thing you can do for me because it'll just make me more determined to do it. Absolutely. So I sent my student off to the grocery store to buy a bunch of fruit and coat it with our coating and see how it performed. And the results of that were just so outstanding that the rest is history. You know, yeah. so we, we started uh, uh, Nabico and um, there's a big competition down in Texas and it's actually a worldwide competition. It's the Rice Business Plan Competition. And they actually give away about $1.5 million at the competition. And these are all student teams. So they have to be associated with the university. They have six or 700 applicants each year that apply for this, but they only pick 42 to compete. Wow. Well, Navico got chosen to compete. And we didn't win the big prize, but we actually came away with $102,000 in cash winnings from that. That was enough for us to launch Navico as a company. I love it. And also, the students that were on that team created their own job. So yeah. they now work here at Navico. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, that's really the cool thing is that you're, you know, basically your staff is pretty much your students as well that have gone from being in the classroom to now being a part of the team, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, so they've really, so they've invested in this from the very beginning, which yeah. I think, you know, and that's a level of passion that's pretty hard to replace. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just a, it's like you, you know, a business owner taking that leap of faith, whatever it is, that's a tough, that, that's really neat. So, the, you know, the problem you're solving is, is kind of twofold, one of which we're working to reduce, you know, uh, greenhouse gases, food going into the landfill. But we're also, you know, working on increasing consumption, which, of course, is a big theme of what we're talking about all month on, on our platform. And, and so it, it's a huge problem, as we have addressed. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about what Nature Wrap is and, you know, the coding, if you wouldn't mind, just, you know, kind of what is it? Let's just get to the basics and We'll, we'll, you know, we'll do that and we'll get, we'll get deeper into the science afterwards. Sure. So uh, Naturap is an edible coating approved by the FDA for human consumption. It has OMRI 
designation as being right. organic. Um, so um, the, the coating, if you look at it compared to other coating companies, and you know there are quite a number of coating companies out there mm -hmm. uh, trying to generally accomplish the same goals that we are. But it turns out because of the science behind our coating technology, we are uniquely set apart from those other coatings. And we can talk a little bit more detail about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But the effect of that is our coatings can be much thinner than anybody else's, yet perform the function of protecting the fruit. And the way we protect the fruit is we keep the moisture in so that the fruit doesn't shrivel and dry out. And we keep oxygen and mold out of the fruit. Right. And, you know, many of your reactions that make fruit go bad are caused by oxygen mm -hmm. and oxidation. So our barrier is far superior to any other coating. That means we can make our coating very, very thin. Therefore, we don't change the tactile feel of the fruit or the look of the fruit. So we have many times done a trial at a customer and then we take some of the coated fruit and put it in a box of uncoated fruit. And we say, can you pick out which one's coated? Yeah. <laughs> and they never can. Right. So that's where we want to be. It's sure. Something that people don't even realize there's a coating on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So let's give you a two part question here, because I think it's probably going to be the easiest way to answer it. First of all, let's talk about the science that's behind it. We know it's, you know, it's um, shelf stable, obviously, but I think it's easier to ask it this in two parts because it's, it's a big question and, and it's a big answer, I think is what it's going to be. So what's the science behind it? But, and how does the science actually work, right? I think that's something that people don't understand. You say the science behind it, it's X, Y, and Z, but how does it all work? And I think when you take a look at the way you've got everything talking and working and walking together, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, the science, when we first discovered it, amazed us. We, we never, ever expected to see a system like this. And so what I would invoke is a brick wall. So mm -hmm. we have two components. The bricks are our clay platelets. Right. And then the mortar is the natural gum or polymer that sticks the brick wall together. And so the science is we have found a set of clay particles and polymers that will literally self-assemble into this brick wall. Well, once the brick wall is assembled, the oxygen has to go around the bricks, through the mortar, around the next brick, through the mortar. You know. And so you end up creating this very tortuous path right. that gases much go through. Where the other coatings, the coating makes the rind a little bit thicker, but the gas can go straight through. So that's the reason we can make much thinner coating right. because this brick wall is about 50 times more efficient at keeping the gases in or out. Wow. And, you know, that's a, it's a patent pending uh, process. And that really sets us apart from anybody else. Well, for sure. 
I mean, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, obviously it's working. So, I mean, you know, what are you seeing, you know, when you think about how does it reduce, you know, food loss, food waste? I mean, you've got some, some studies and stuff out there. I mean, you're seeing it's pretty, pretty amazing results. Right. You know, so I, um, one of the first ones we worked on was uh, in Ghana on plantains. Yeah. And, you know, in Ghana, they want the plantains to be green when they consume them. They like the starchy phase of the plantains. Mm-hmm. Once they turn yellow, they lose about half their value. And then once they turn black, they have to throw them away. Right. Well, in Ghana, they don't have a good supply chain as far as the cold chain. So the typical farmer has only about three days to harvest, get his product to market and sell it. We were able to extend that to nine days. Wow. And those farmers were typically uh, seeing about a 50% loss of their crop. So this is a huge impact on a third world country like Ghana. Well, it's, yeah. And I was exactly, and I just was popped into my mind with the thought. It's like, you know, we think about food waste, obviously, but, you know, it's a big problem on a global basis. And this is an example of probably 99, 98% of the, you know, the, the people listening probably didn't think about that, what, what the impact is of food waste in third world nation. And it's interesting, one of your first customers was coming out of Ghana, which is kind of, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, but I, it's important that you guys, and I think it's part of your mission and mantra, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but getting involved in third world countries along this line, that's a big deal for you guys. Right? I mean, obviously you want to be in the States and, you know, I, I get all that, but this is, your vision is much bigger than that. It's not just limited to let's get a fruit guy here or, you know, whatever it is in the United States. Right. It, it's, it's a global scale. Yeah, absolutely. And we yeah. are already doing quite a number of tests throughout the world, uh, in particular, South America, Central America, Africa, Israel. Um, we've got one in India. You know, so we're already becoming a global company. Yeah, real, and yeah, and I think it's fantastic. And what's the feedback? I mean, you know, I mean, what do you hear? I mean, you because the reason I ask that question is I think about third world country. You know, the, 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 the extra days that you've given them could be the difference between food, no food, between success and no success. It's a very thin line. It's a very thin margin that these underdeveloped countries deal with, and especially in the produce space. So to be able to uplift them like that, it's got to be a powerful, it's got to be received. It's got to be very powerful. Yeah, we've had tremendous reception. And, yeah. um, you know, we've taken a slightly different approach than some of the other companies in this space. We are trying to partner with the packers and growers. And then we educate the retailers on what's coming into them, but we don't go to the retailers and have them tell the packers and growers they have to do this. And we've had tremendous reception of that approach because, you know, when you look at produce growers and packers across the world, they many times are family owned businesses and they want to have a relationship Mm-hmm. their suppliers and providers of services. And mm-hmm. so I think we've hit the right nerve in the produce business and, and the way we're approaching it. And worldwide, uh, everybody we contact, it's not like, well, that might be nice. No, we want to do a trial. And that's significant because that's a commitment of resources on their part. 
to sure. do it. Yeah. Well, if they're making that commitment, it's a serious problem that they know they need help on. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I love it. You know, something you said, I want to go back to a little bit. I know you're Omri approved. And so that gets my attention right away, especially get it in, you know, working with organic product. But, you know, what's the reception when, you know, you start to talk about clay and nanoparticles and polymers? You know, you kind of get into some of these big words that people don't necessarily know what they mean in a lot of ways. They just know it's a big word and it might scare them off a little bit. Are you getting any kind of people freaking out or commenting or anything along those lines? We've had, you know, an occasional person raise that issue. Like, well, clay, what do you mean? You know, like bricks are made out of. And, and I say, well, uh, let me explain it to you this way. You have been consuming this clay all your life. And in fact, humans been consuming this particular clay for millennia because it's ubiquitous in soil. So anytime you eat salad, or anything out of the field, it has mm-hmm. traces of this clay on it. And oh. so, you know, most people after you say that, they oh, okay, well, what's this polymer thing? And unfortunately, being a chemist, that's a common term to me. Yeah. But a lot of people uh, don't understand what a polymer is. Well, your skin is a polymer, your hair is a polymer, uh, and a lot of the polymers we use are gum extracts from trees or plants. Right. So when you change it from, all right, this is a polymer and it's called gum Arabic, for instance. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's different. You know, Hello. So it, it does take an explanation of what those terms were. Really yeah. But well, when you, when you break it down into the fact that, They've been consuming these components for decades. They just didn't know it. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. That's- they were consuming them separately. You know, they, they weren't in this coding. But Right, right, right. Yeah. We, That's amazing. Had, you know, especially when we go through that, we've had almost nobody say, ah, no, 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 this is tough. <laughs> No, I mean, well, look, the reason I asked the question was that I'm, you know, because I'm sure you've been asked the question before. And it's, you know, to me, it was like, okay, well, how do people feel about this? But you're absolutely, but again, you know, what is the wax that's going on other things, right? What are the other things? So, I mean, it's all, it's all part. And it actually, you actually replace wax in in, in instances. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah. And and ours is much less intrusive compared to the wax. Right. Most people have picked up an apple. And you can tell there's a wax on. Right. Well, ours doesn't have that tactile feel to it. Right. Yeah. Well, so with that being said, since we're talking about the wax, getting into that whole premise with that, whatever, but how hard is this for growers to use? Right. Because that's always a big thing. You know, any kind of new idea, the first thing the grower says is like, you know, how is it going to work? What's going to cost? What's it going to be? You know, it's always a challenge for them because it's not always easy for them to pass that along. You know, they don't necessarily always have a receptive audience to, uh, you know, doing things to drive a positive cost into food. Right. And, and we have gone way out to make sure that we fit into their existing supply chain. Mm -hmm. And so our solution can be applied pre-harvest. It can be applied in packing houses. So I would use some examples. Grapes, for instance. Right. We can go out with a spray rig that they already have in the vineyard. 
We can spray the grapes the day before harvest. It'll dry overnight. The next day they harvest just like they would normally. Right. Pack. Okay. Now there are other fruits that they like to take to a packing house where they can call out bad fruit sure. and, and size it to certain sizes and then put it in the proper box or bag, that sort of thing. Well, most of those operations have spray bars where they're applying maybe fungicide or wax or that sort of thing in an oven to dry it. Mm-hmm. So we can fit right in where they normally would add those additives. In fact, we've applied ours with the fungicide mixed with it. We've applied it in a wax bar, just replacing the wax. So it's very easy to implement our technology and we will give technical support, but we don't have to operate. We right, well, that's the packers and the growers to be independent and we'll support them in any way they want, but we make it as easy as possible to adopt. I love it. What do you, what are you hearing back from the growers? I mean, you know, I mean, cause that's, that, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? It's, and it's an improving profits. Are they seeing measurable results right out the chute? Well, the, um, one that was very interesting to us was we had a, a melon producer that uh, they do a lot of export and they were wanting to expand their export markets by increasing their time that they could deliver. Mm-hmm. Well, with this supply chain problems that everybody's experiencing, the transit times are getting longer and longer. And yeah. so now they feel like that this really helps them maintain their current business where they might have lost some export business because the transit times have gotten too long. So it's an impact that we hadn't anticipated. Right. Yeah. I love it. What about, so go full circle with the question, I guess, the thing about from the retail perspective, what are you getting back from feedback from the retailers? Are you hearing anything yet? Well, or Yeah. With, with retail, I guess the way I like to present it is most retail outlets are operating on a two to 3% margin. So pretty thin margins. Well, when you look at the average shrink at a retail outlet, it's about 12.6%. Wow. It's a lot. If we can cut out half, let's say 6%, Sure. If they're operating on a two, three percent margin, all of a sudden they've increased their margin by two hundred percent. Yeah. So the retailers actually benefit probably the most from this technology. Yeah. But the consumer also is seeing the ready-to-eat window become larger, and so uh, I like to talk about avocados. Sure. I know people have gone to the store, they picked up an avocado, they put it in the refrigerator, and a day later or two days later, they go and they cut it open and it's brown, it's not really very good, and maybe they can salvage some. Well, we can open that window up instead of two days to five to six days. Right. Well, that's huge. Because a lot of the waste is thrown away at home. Because your timing was off and the stuff goes bad before you use it. Well, yeah. And in case of point with an avocado, if an avocado is all the way black, the tendency is it's past, right? I mean, it's still good, 
but you're, you know, you, you know, an avocado really is towards the green, a little bit of the green side over the all, all black to keep that flavor and that profile and as well as texture, not being so soft and mushy as et cetera. That's really, really interesting. You talked a little bit about some of the trials and the studies and, and, you know, any kind of new technology comes out like this. One of the first things that you hear from people, well, where are the trials? What are the universities saying? What's the, you know, what's the, and you coming from a university background, I guarantee that you've probably already had that mindset going, well, we know, you know, you know what to do here. This is your first rodeo per se. Um, so talk a little bit about the trials and the studies and if there's any results or anything you've got going on you want to elaborate on a little bit. Because I think that's really good for people to hear, you know, your commitment to due diligence. Right. So um, we've done a lot of studies in the laboratory. Sure. And, you know, those are all fine and good. And we've actually published some of those results. But the rubber hits the road when you get out into the field. Yep. And so we have invested a lot of time and effort into doing trials in the field. And so many times when you get in the field, you encounter things you don't anticipate. Oh, absolutely. Which yeah, is mother, mother and, nature, mother nature and, shows up. Yeah. And one of the things that we do as a part of our structure in the company is all of our R and D people that are working on the lab work, Mm-hmm. We require them to go out in the field to the trials and see firsthand what it takes to process the fruit, you know, the sure. conditions and that sort of thing. That has been a tremendous program for our R&D people. And it really makes them relevant and understanding what's going on out there. But um, some of the things that we've been a little surprised about is let's take grapes for instance and cherries is another example the fruit's very important mm-hmm. but the stems are also very important yeah so when you go to the store and you want to buy a bunch of grapes if the stems are all brown and shriveled you're less likely to be happy about buying it yeah. and if you've got a nice green supple stem yeah and it turns out that our product helps on preservation of the stem too right so that was one that we really didn't anticipate when we went out into the field um we also on pears uh we really didn't understand on pears how sensitive they are to scuffing yeah and that sure sort of thing. sure and uh so we had a bit of an education <laughs> to to go through to to adjust to that because apples are completely different fruit, you know, as far as it's uh, viability and toughness. Right. You know. Sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that out in the field uh, it's been a great education because I wasn't really in produce until we made this discovery, but it's been a lot of fun getting out in the field and learning all these things. Well, no doubt. And, and, but to see your work in action too, and to see the results, I mean, you know, you can go on the website, um, which is uh, nabicoinc.com and check out, you know, the results, the test, what you're doing, the science and get it, you know, get that deep dive. And, and I always say, you know, you go look at the science because there's pictures there, right? Yeah. That helps me along all the time. Pictures, yeah. pictures and, are fantastic. And, you know, I would, I would take uh, pears for instance. Um, one of the things that surprised us is many times, before they ship the pear, they will take it into an ethylene chamber 
right. to ripen it. But when they do that, they have trouble slowing the ripening down. So they may only have three to four days to get that pear to the retailer and get it sold before it gets too soft. Right. Well, we were able to extend that from two to three days to about five days. Well, you know, people say, well, it was only two more days, but that's a big deal. It is a big deal. If they only have right. three days today, now they have five days. Right. Then they're going to have less waste. Well, and, and to be fair too, you know, it's not so much about where it, where it ends, you know, off the retail shelf, but, you know, you go shopping on a Thursday and you buy pears, maybe nobody's even touched a pear till Saturday, right. right? Or, you know, you buy four or five pears and, you know, you have one on Thursday and all of a sudden there's one left over the following Tuesday. There's nothing more discouraging than buying four of something. And then the last one, you know, is, is you throw away and it's like, well, that was a way, you know, and you're frustrated at that it's food waste. It's a whole nine yards. So, it is a big deal. It's a big deal to the consumer. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're kicking clods. You're out there. You know, you're kicking indoors. You're making a wave. You're out, uh, you know, sh shaking it up a little bit with this new technology that's, you know, incredibly impressive. So what's next for you guys and what's going on for the rest of 2022? Well, you know, one of them that's come on our radar recently is mushrooms. And hmm. uh, we're, we're getting great data in the lab. So... One of our next steps is to work with one of the big mushroom growers and see what we can do there. And uh, I guess uh, a, a little bit further down the road, we are working on a paper packaging that can give you all of the great barrier of plastic, but with paper that's recyclable. Well, that's going to be a big hit. And so, you know, that's something coming down the pipe that uh, we're working on right now. <laughs> that's going to be a big one. I mean, that's going to be something that's going to be, that's going to flip a lot of things on their ears. That's a big problem. You're solving, well, we I mean, you guys, so. are, well, you're solving big problems. I mean, there's no two ways about it. That's an interesting one. That one I want to hear about, you know, I want to, I, when I, you know, I, I want, that one's got to come back on. We got to do another show about that when it's ready to roll, because that is going to be something. I look, yeah. you know, I mean, one of the cool things about this platform is, you know, not only the people that I know and meet and go after to try to come on, but the people that come to me to come on and I get to, to just look at brands and get excited about what they are. And you're one of those brands. You're one of those brands. It's like, this is super, super cool. And we were introduced, you know, by a mutual friend and, and we're, we're able to kind of connect a little bit. And I got involved and in kind of thinking about what you guys are doing. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, man. I got a great idea. Come on my show because people need to hear this because it's super powerful, you know. I think it's incredibly commendable to be leaning into this space, you know, food waste, increasing consumption, the whole nine yards. You know, I think it's one of the most important things that we can do right now um, to, to better understand um, food insecurity, to better understand uh, helping growers really financially do better, helping retailers financially do better. Um, you know, I, I get caught up sometimes with folks that get into the words efficiency, keep driving efficiencies, and that becomes a really, you know, overused term. That just means get cheaper somehow. And that's not necessarily driving a positive cost into food or making positive things happen. This is what, you know, to me is a real true positive cost of food. This is really something that is worthy of investment of time and energy all the way through the supply chain from the grower side, the processor side, whatever it is, as well as the retail side, because ultimately combining those efforts makes her a better consumer. So it's, it's really cool. I mean, I'm glad we're hanging out and got a chance to talk about it, but I'm glad that people are going to be able to hear this 
and, you know, check your guys, you know, what you guys are up to and where you're headed. Well, we appreciate it. Oh, my, absolutely a pleasure. I mean, thank you for hanging out with me today. Thank you for sharing. Again, everybody, uh, nabicoinc.com. Go to the website. Uh, tell them I sent you. I have no idea what that's going to do for you, but it sounded cool. <laughs> um, but go check it out. It's 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 a worthy it's a worthy spend of time and energy. And, and our my friends out in the in the in the shipper side of business, give me a call. I'll talk to you about this. You know, give Gary a call. Find out what's going on. He answers the phone. It's pretty cool. Um, and and get involved because we're going to make a difference out there. And this is how we do it. So I appreciate you being here today and hanging out with me. Well, I, I appreciate you giving me time to talk to everybody about this. And one of the important things is we're having one hell of a lot of fun doing this. And you and me both, brother. That's the best kind of job you can have. You and me both, brother. If you know what, you wake up every day with a smile. You go to bed with a smile too, right? Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for being here. I do appreciate you. And uh, we're going to keep people posted. There's a lot of information going to be coming up all month long about what you guys are doing. Um, we're going to bang the drum as hard as we can because we really believe that these are the positive things we need to be doing for our country, for our food supply, for our planet, for the environment, pick any one of them. It's all relevant. It all makes a difference. These truly are a positive cost of food. So thanks everybody for being here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Dr. Gary, I appreciate you. Like I said, um, go get online, check them out, give them a call, make it happen. All right, everybody. We'll see you soon. Don't forget to check us out on social media where all the cool kids are. That's where we hang out. And uh, we'll see you on Todd Versation, Todd Bits, wherever we are. We do appreciate you. Remember, go inspire somebody. It's really important. It's a great way to add something positive to your day. Take care and we'll see everybody soon. Bye-bye.